The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 268 of the podcast, or you're joining us live on YouTube, Twitter, and I think Facebook, if we're not banned this week. Oh, boy, what a show we have today. Today's Sunday, December 19th, for anybody keeping track. And we are coming off of UFC Fight Night 199. Derek Lewis, Chris Dawkins. We're coming off of... Tyron Woodley hitting the mat right here in Tampa against Jake Paul, not getting his redemption. We got, uh, I want to talk about the Whiskey Advocate 2021 list recently came out. We can, we can talk some whiskey a little bit later and Chael Sonnen getting arrested for battery, which I was just talking to Jeff about before the show. Speaking of Jeff, before we get into anything, First things first, all the way from New Jersey, Santa's little helper. Ho, 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 it's the MMA on the Rocks holiday show, and it wouldn't be complete (laughs) without Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, I got one question for you. Where are my hoes at? Oh, that's awesome, dude. (laughs) <laughs> oh man bill i love the shirt aside from my thoughts on the dating scene bill i feel awesome um last a uh, couple of days before a very nice extended break from work and mm-hmm. and uh bill my only plans for my break are to catch up with friends because between soccer season and catching up on all the work that I, and grading that I need to make up because I was so busy with soccer season, I, uh, I'm ready to roll, man. I'm ready to kick my feet up. Yeah. So are you, are you off now? Uh, not yet. So we're, our break starts Thursday. We have a half day because Christmas is a little late this year. It's on a Saturday of all days but um i don't think it's late jeff it's on the 25th every year bill (laughs) um bill it's funny you say that because i was just watching the episode of cheers where sam says that and woody responds with what you just said yeah i don't know what kind of pagan calendar you're looking at kid but bill the point is it should be it should be a crime for a holiday to fall on a weekend day like who designed this calendar Mm. Who's this Gregory dude? <laughs> no, I think his name is Bezos. Um, in any case, yeah, I, I I feel you with like the the needing a break thing, but the problem, like when you're a parent, is is like, yeah, I can take some time off from work, but then my kid is home, which is which is more exhausting than going to work. So yeah, it's like. There, there's just no break until I'm dead. So I've come to terms with it. 
And um, yeah, it, it, it's been, it, it's been an exhausting Christmas season already. And it, we're, we're not even close to Christmas yet. It's still like a week away. Like, and, and I have a whole week with my daughter home from school, but we've done so much stuff, Jeff. I've been telling you earlier, we, we did a holiday trolley ride through our town, which, you know, you get on the trolley, it takes you past like all the decorated houses and, and there's a park that has all Christmas lights and music and everything. And that was cool. And then the next day it was something else I forget. And then we did like a miniature train ride over in Largo. You'll remember where the Barley Mow Brewery used to be. We used to talk about on the show back in the day. Um, so it's like a miniature train. You sit on it and it goes through. Same thing. Decorated Christmas lights. Beautiful. Kids had a good time. Then what else did we do? There was Third Friday in my town. So, you know, Christmas celebrations. Then there was a Christmas parade. There was a Christmas tree lighting in, in town. There was... Um, Damn, I'm starting to lose track. We did so much shit, Jeff. Um, festive out the ass this year has been. Um, and then yesterday we went to Dunedin and it was like stations of Christmas stuff where the kids like roasted marshmallows and then they made Christmas ornaments and then they met Santa um, and more Christmas music. And then there was a golf cart parade where the golf carts were all decorated and and it was circling right around where we parked. So like, they just corralled us in. Like I couldn't escape. Like I was held hostage by Christmas, Jeff. And I'm starting to see like where characters like the Grinch and Ebenezer Scrooge evolved from. Like they were probably parents that had to do all this holiday stuff, but thank goodness for alcohol. I have to say when it's been uh, fueling me this holiday season, I, and, and this is all due to, as you know, Jeff, my wife is part of many Facebook mom groups in the area and and they organize all this stuff. And all the dads are just so beat down, Jeff, like not just from the exhaustion of like dragging their kids all over Pinellas County to go to all these events, but from all the alcohol they've been consuming to cope with dragging their kids or all over the county to go to these Christmas events. So. You know, our organs are taking a beating, but, you know, and, and the kiddos is run down. She's she's run into the ground like she's she still loves all the Christmas stuff. But it's just like you would have thought we've been training the kid for a marathon with how exhausted she is. So, it's, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, it, you know, the, the first thing was the trolley ride and she was all about it, loving it, gung ho. Now it's like she fights with us to get in the car and not because she doesn't like this stuff, but she's just exhausted. So that's where I'm at, Jeff. So I'm drinking um, like a modified old fashioned here. It's Michter's rye. And I just took some dehydrated oranges and poured the rye right over that. It's a lazy man's old fashioned. Nice. <laughs> I skipped I skipped the sugar and the bitters and all that stuff. <laughs> just <laughs> pour the whiskey over the orange rye and call it a holiday, whatever. A little ice yeah. too. Actually, drinking something on the rocks for a change, but nice. Yeah, um, Bill. You know, sometimes uh, I get a little lonely. You know, being single. I've been single for a few years, and then you tell me stuff like that, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Life ain't so bad. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I struggle to find those moments of loneliness or like, you know, or find a, some time to sit in a yard with a cigar. Like those are, that's what I look for, you know? So, you know, it's, life is an everlasting struggle and no matter what your situation, like you're always going to find, you're always going to find like, you know, some kind of problems with your life, but it's all about perspective, you know, put on a, put on a smile, put on a hat, whatever helps brighten your day. <laughs> I know you said not to draw attention to the hats, Jeff, but I have to mention the fact that this Santa hat, for some reason has antlers or like turkey feet sticking out of it. <laughs> and I'm not sure why, but because it exists, my wife had to buy it because that's what she does. Like if something exists, she buys one. So here it is on my head. I found this like on the steps on my way up here to the studio to record the show. <laughs> yeah, Bill. And I couldn't be left out. I just got this hat today from <laughs> TD Bank, as you can see on the top there. And, uh, they, yeah, so I'll, Bill, I'm making a withdrawal today. And then the manager of the bank just comes up to me and she's like, here you go. Happy belated birthday. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I right. started laughing. I was like, cool. Um, free hat. Yeah. Now you're a TD bank elf. <clears throat> They're going to yeah. have you. They're going to hire you to, to make gold bricks or something. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I would have preferred this hat like a week ago because we had a uh, we had a holiday hat day at work, so could have thought of this thing. What a bummer! Well, you can only save it for next year. Yeah, I got some. Uh, I I got some uh, seamstresses that work for me, Jeff. They can do something about that TD Bank logo. We could put something else on top of it. Maybe like. Uh, MMA on the Rocks logo. Oh, that'd be awesome. Cause turn, turn you into an MMA on the Rocks elf. That'd be awesome because, uh, Bill, while TD claims to be America's most convenient bank, there's a line today. I was like, this isn't convenient at all. <laughs> yeah, well, like everything else, life is not convenient. I'm coming to find out. But here we are. And um, we had some awesome fights this weekend. We had a disappointment with Tyron Woodley hitting starched, um, turned into a Toy Story toy when Andy walks in the room. Uh, we got Chael Sonnen getting arrested. Um, where, where, where do you want to start with, Jeff? Bill, let's start with this Tyron Woodley fight because I was not even aware that um, there was going to be such a quick turnaround for a rematch between him and uh, Paul Logan or <laughs> Logan Paul, whatever his name is. It's Jake Paul. Yeah, I didn't know this was happening. It's ha it happened right here in Tampa. I was at the gym for sparring yesterday morning, and my buddy Ryan says to me, like, hey, I'm going to the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight. I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, I get tickets, whatever. I was like, oh, when? He's like, tonight. At the Amelie Arena, which is in Tampa, where the uh, the Lightning play. Um, I went to a UFC event there two years ago. And I was like, I had no clue this was happening. Didn't watch it. Um, <laughs> Mark says, in all fairness, Woodley looks pretty good during his walkout. 
<laughs> I guess I'm guessing it was a one-sided fight. I only saw like the 20-second clip of him getting knocked out. Here's the thing, man. I hope he made a shit ton of money and he can retire and like disappear and never do anything in combat sports again. Uh, because that that should have been the goal. Like he shouldn't be talking about doing anything else after this. Like there was no reason for it. A guy's a legend and I've been uh I've been I've been a a big supporter of Tyron Woodley as you know, Jeff. Like I defended him during that boring ass Wonder Boy fight that went to a draw, the first one. I defended him after the second boring ass Wonder Boy fight. I defended him after the boring ass Damian Maya fight. I still defended him after Kamaru Usman beat him, saying, you know, it's not that Woodley has lost a step. Usman is just the best, and you guys are going to realize that. And Usman went on to do what he did. I still defended Woodley after the loss to Gilbert Burns. I still defended Woodley after the loss to Colby Covington when he got his rib cracked in half and couldn't continue. I looked the other way when he went to fight Jake Paul. I didn't think less of him for losing that fight because he was making a big payday. There was no reason to get back in there with that kid. And he's 24 years old. He's juicier than a peach cobbler. He's just, you know, roided up, wouldn't flat out refuse to take a drug test. He's He's got 20 pounds on Woodley. Like, what? Why? What's the point? What do you have to prove to anybody except yourself? Like, and here's me, someone who's who's very deeply embedded in the MMA community. I didn't even watch it. So who, like, who's he proven anything to? I wouldn't have even cared if he knocked the kid out. Now he has this where he's going to be remembered for the memes that came out of this fight and not ro- knocking out Robbie Lawler to win the championship. Not for his dominance and strike force. You know, not for his all-American wrestling. Like, this is his legacy now. This is what he's going to be remembered for. So, I don't want to kick the guy while he's down. But shit, man. That was rough. What'd you think, Jeff? I don't know. I don't know what to think anymore, man. Like... I love Tyron Woodley, man. Bill, I was the one, between the two of us, I was the one who believed in Tyron Woodley the night that he fought Robbie Lawler to win that fight, uh, to win the welterweight belt. And I I remember distinctly telling you that he would win in glorious fashion because I was visiting family in Maryland. I was on my way back. And at some point you texted me because I made it home really late. You texted me. You were right. He won in glorious fashion. Bill, I don't think Tyron Woodley owes anything to anybody. You know, he doesn't even owe anybody an explanation as to what happened. And and you're probably right. I mean, I'm sure this kid, uh, Paul Logan or whatever, is juiced to the gills. All right? Uh, Yeah. Um, I mean, the dude's body mass has increased in, like, five years. He's probably put on, like, 20, like, I don't know, like 50 pounds of muscle or something. Hey, he's juicier than a Starburst, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Um, I don't know, man. 
you know, I don't, I don't think it was a good idea for Lee to take uh, the fight. But like you said, I I'm, I agree with you. I hope that he got paid a ton of money. I hope he's set for life so that he never has to deal with this nonsense again. Well, I'm going to pour one out for our old boy, Woodley. And I'll hit you with an interesting fact, Jeff. Since Tyron Woodley's single, I'll Beat Your Ass, came out, he has not beat a single person's ass. He's 0-6 since that song came out. Bill, so I think he may have jinxed himself. I mean, Bill, that's fine, because that song is fire, dude. <laughs> dude, I'm not even kidding, man. I love that song, man. Well, maybe we'll get the we'll we'll get the rights to the audio to play it next week. <laughs> Which by the way, Jeff, we there's not a card for a couple weeks. So I was thinking while I'm up in New York for the holidays, maybe we do our uh we do our awards show. I, I figure it's the most professional way to ask you live on the air. <laughs> also let's just plan this shit out now. It saves time. Yeah, let's do it. Um yeah, I, I I remember that uh, that you mentioned that you guys are gonna be up here, but I wasn't sure if like your parents knew and stuff, so I didn't want to say anything on the show. Oh yeah, yeah, they know. They they kind of like forced us to come because you know my in laws are are gonna be away, so it was just gonna be us here. So uh, my mom was was like, "I'll fly you guys up for Christmas." And they were like, "Well, we kind of wanted to just do nothing, but." You know, it it I understand it sucks to live so far away from the from the grandkid, and it's always nice to have the kids together. Um, yeah, so I'll be up there. We 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 could do our awards show. Obviously, I'll I'll do some whiskey stuff. I'll let you guys know my favorite whiskey that I found this year. Um, maybe I'll do a few different categories of whiskey. We'll do fight of the year, obviously, fighter of the year, rookie of the year. All that stuff. But if you guys have some creative ideas for categories, let us know in the comments so we can uh, actually do a preparation like the one show of the year (laughs) where we where we prepare ahead of time what we're going to talk about instead of just, you know, turning on the old Internet connection, pouring a whiskey and and just talking about whatever comes up. Um, Oh, Bill, before while we're planning stuff, Bill, I got a date for this wedding um that is in florida and okay. I, I and i'm going stag but i mean i know what day it's gonna be on so oh, i thought you were like you're bringing somebody no bill the, you know that the kid flies solo all right but anyway as you um, should yeah um so it's gonna be april 1st so i gotta see uh i'm not 100 percent sure if i can even go to this thing but um i'll probably know in like the next few weeks so i can go for sure um but yeah april 1st i'll be out in florida i'm probably only going to be there for like the weekend because i still have to work and stuff mm-hmm. um but uh we'll, we'll plan it out a little bit more as the date draws closer but bill i can't wait you're gonna be up here for the holidays i'm gonna be free that whole last week of december so nice i'll be catching up with you and some other friends that i haven't seen in a while Mm-hmm. And then in April, I can go visit you guys. Sounds good, kid. Sounds like uh, 2022 is already shaping up to be a good year. I just almost dumped a whole like 
<laughs> this whole cup of water all over my computer. <laughs> and I'm pulling this cup in front and it's taking on the green screen effect. That's why it looks like bricks. But that would have been bad. Um, but you know what's not bad, Jeff, is uh, E.H. Taylor bourbon, which is, I'd say, I always say, you know, people often ask me, like, my favorite whiskey, like, my favorite bourbon is probably E.H. Taylor. And I, it's very difficult to come by, as as all the bourbon collectors out there know. Um, it's made by Buffalo Trace. So I only break the bottle open on special occasions. And since this is like kind of our Christmas show, we're not going to have another show before Christmas. Like what better occasion? So cheers to all of you who have uh, stuck with us for, you know, through the pandemic. And like when we first started and didn't know what the hell we were doing till all the way till now, when we still don't know what the hell we're doing, but we have hats. <laughs> so cheers to all of you. And cheers to you, Jeff. Thanks, Bill. So, um, the, the fights, but I feel like, I feel like the hot topic is Chael Sonnen getting arrested. Yeah, Bill, I didn't even hear about this until like 20 minutes ago, right before the show started. So what happened with that? Yeah, so apparently Chael Sonnen is banging on a hotel door at 7 p.m. in Las Vegas. He's at some high-end hotel. They didn't say which one. And then a couple comes down the hallway, and a, a witness says a physical altercation broke out. And Uncle Chael is just manhandling the dude, and I guess his wife or girlfriend or whoever just starts screaming. So somebody called the cops. So, so Chael obviously, you know, has fought at heavyweight probably walks around a solid 220 right now six foot tall obviously like manhandling some dude who found him screaming at a hotel door for some reason and i can't imagine what the reason is because um you know chael doesn't drink or do drugs so i don't think there were any foreign substances involved here so you got to wonder you know why is he banging on a hotel door why is he getting into a physical altercation tmz released some footage of him getting dragged away in handcuffs with his shirt just draped around his neck i i don't know what he did to the guy he was charged with five counts of battery um but he was not put in jail he was released because the police didn't witness Bill, I lost you. Yeah, sorry. Can you hear I me? You for, I lost you for a sec. Uh, yeah, now you're good. But uh, I only heard up to the part where you said that the police didn't uh, have eyewitnesses. Yeah, so there was a witness, but since the police didn't witness anything, and I guess the witness didn't have a whole lot of information, they had to let him go. So they didn't put him in jail or anything. So... That's all we know for now. Um, TMZ has the footage of him getting dragged down the hallway by the cops. He was he was charged with five counts, misdemeanor counts of battery, and he was released. I don't know why it was five counts when it was one guy that he was hustling with, but 
you know, that's what it was. I'm sure we're going to get the full story. I'm sure Chael will tell his side of it. Um, it's a little ironic since he's just been slamming John Jones for the incident in Vegas. And now, you know, Chael steps in and to Vegas and, you know, he gets arrested. So some guys just can't handle Vegas, Jeff. Famous last words, Bill. <laughs> I know. I better not criticize anyone. Otherwise, uh, otherwise. Bill, I lost you again. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, we've been having it. We had like an internet outage earlier. But Jeff, if you lose me, you got to keep talking, kid. You got to carry the show here. What? <laughs> <laughs> what am I paying you for? <laughs> You've been getting all those royalty checks, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, 15 anyway. cents an episode. Oh, good. Wow, that's double what I thought I was paying you. Um... Let's see. Let's see. Melina. Voy. FYI. She's telling me to go? Telling me to go, no. Melina? No, she's saying that she's going. Oh. Well, well, all right. All right. Thanks for stopping by, I guess. Have a good night, Melina. We'll miss you. See ya. <laughs> 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 Thanks for translating there, Jeff. Um all right, let's talk some fights, man. What a card. To, for, to close out the year for a free card, you can't ask for a better one than this. Um, I, I guess we'll start at the top, though. I kind of want to start with Dontel Mays. Uh, just Bill, because... Hold on, hold on. Bill, before we get into it, you got to post Bruce Bruce's comment about no chill, no jail chill. It's just so funny, dude. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Too bad no jail chail would entertain his whole jailhouse cell block with the way he shouts at the top of his lungs every time he speaks. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. Yeah, chail would probably be holding court in jail. He would just <laughs> he would just like get everybody's attention. But um Yeah. Um I wanted to start with Dante Mays. I don't know if you saw that fight, Jeff. Let, uh, fine, I let's, don't just, so. let's just start there. So sure. I'll I'm trying to scroll down the screen I'm looking at when when the fights are on the other monitor. Because I'm a professional, Jeff. All right. So second fight on the card, Dante Mays and Josh Parisian. At the end of the second round, Jeff, this is the only part of the fight you need to watch. You don't need to see the the TKO finish. It it was basically a culmination of of Dante taking Parisian down the entire fight and beating him up on the ground. But at the end of the second round. You can watch, skip to like the last 20 to 15 seconds of the round. Dontel Mays gets in north-south, which is basically Parisian's on his back and Dontel Mays' crotch is right on top of his mouth. And Dontel just starts hip-thrusting his crotch into Parisian's face, basically hitting him with his cup, teabagging him, if you will. You know, to use some terminology the kids are familiar with. This is totally illegal because you're not allowed to use your cup as a weapon. 
<laughs> you have to go back and watch it, Jeff, because he's just he's just face fucking Josh Parisian. Like he's just <laughs> he's just dry humping his face and smashing his mouth with his cup. Um, so this had to be unpleasant for Parisian because like not only are you getting beat up, but like you're getting embarrassed because like another man's crotch is being thrust into your mouth. Um, so yeah, it was an all around embarrassment, but I'd say the highlight of the card. So, (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) you need, you need to go back and watch the end of the second round of this fight, Jeff. Um, overall it was an impressive performance by Dante Mays because, you know, he's known primarily as a striker. I believe he had a big knockout on the contender series. Uh, he gets in there with another striker and Parisian and, his wrestling looked good, man. Like he was chain wrestling up against the cage. He was controlling him on the ground. He was getting the side control, passing his guard easily. Um, you know, some there there were a lot of mistakes made by Parisian on the bottom. Like he wasn't trying to get his underhooks to get back to his feet, etc. And and Dante Mays wasn't going from for underhooks from the top either. But he he just had pretty good top pressure still, and um, he, you know, was able to eventually get the. You know, Herb Dean had to stop it because the guy was just taking so much punishment. But and it, Herb Dean also had to have a little talk with Dante af- after the end of the second round and um, tell him, you know, not to use his cup as a striking device. So Mark says two birds with one stone. He didn't need to watch Pornhub that night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I could I could use that highlight for a while myself. All right, Jeff, are you with me? I feel like you're you're. Hold on, else. I'm 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 looking at I'm 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 watching right now on ESPN Plus. Hold oh, on. don't show it on the screen. We're gonna get. Uh, it, it was it was only it was it's for learning purposes. Uh, YouTube. Yeah, we do we do not have the rights to share. Did you just find the clip, or are you just watching the end of the round? I'm just watching the end of the round. Oh wow! Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow, you weren't you. Wow, you. I uh, wouldn't steer you wrong, Jeff. I I didn't think it was gonna be as like as exaggerated as you described it, but it 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 yeah. I'm not it a happened. man of much hyperbole, Jeff. I live in the realm of reality. Bill, this takes me back to my senior year of college. Uh, <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> oh man, uh, we're getting loose here, kid. I, I I did have a couple of cocktails while I was waiting for you. Like it, you told me, I think nine, and then I I guess we started or we've been going a half hour now. We started at like ten, so I don't know. You do the math. I don't know how many old fashions that is. Just. <clears throat> He anyway, giving, he was giving him the pile driver, Bill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little Bronco Buster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mark says, welcome to Jeff's college hazing stories. We've, <laughs> we've barely talked about MMA. Like, I, <laughs> the first fight I brought up had nothing to do with, like, the actual result of the fight. <laughs> it had oh, to do man. with just, you know. The oral fixation. Um, so, all right. I guess we'll talk about some fighting here, Jeff. Derek Lewis, Chris Dawkins. 
Um, when this fight was announced, I was a little surprised. And I was even more surprised when Chris Dawkins was the favorite. Um, I mean, he's only got 16 fights, Jeff. Derek Lewis has, before this fight, he was tied for the most knockouts in UFC history. And granted, Dawkins, you know, he had a good run. Um, all right, so five wins in a row in the UFC. No, no, four wins in a row in the UFC, five wins in a row overall, all knockouts. So he's knocking all knocking out everybody he gets in there with. Um, the dude does not have a huge frame, I feel like. I think he carries like yeah. a lot of extra body weight, He'd probably easily make 205. He, he walks around that. like 230 something. This says 236. He's probably you know, bounces around, maybe gets up to 240. Um, it's doable. But then again, like, this is kind of the same build Fedor had in his prime, like, where he was in those 230s and, um, you know, probably could have made 205, but, you know, he just wanted to be comfortable and he was Fedor and nobody's going to tell him otherwise. Um, once he came out, Jeff, and started doing, like, this stuff, like, this kind of, like, Tai Chi like, I don't know, I don't know what he was doing. And Derek Lewis was just like, all right, motherfucker, I'm just going to wait for the perfect time to knock you out. And that's just how the fight went. I don't know. Can you describe it any better, Jeff? Um, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Lewis just backed Dawkins up against the cage and just unloaded on him. Mm-hmm. Um Bill, I was really excited for this main event. Uh, I thought it was a huge test for Chris Dawkins. Um I didn't think he was ready for it, but uh, I, you know, I figured this would be really entertaining. Like you, you knew somebody was going to get finished here. And Bill, I was taking some laundry out of the dryer yesterday, and that was my mistake because I figured the first round they just, you know, feel each other out, and yeah, and Derek Lewis said nope, so I had to rewind and rewatch the fight. But man, um, you know, Lewis has been a little bit quiet lately. And I think the recency effect was why Chris Dawkins was uh, was uh, the favorite here. But uh-huh. man, Lewis responded in a big way. Man, he was not going to allow Chris Dawkins to make a name off him. Yeah, and it, it's a shame because you know here you have Chris Dawkins, who you know Mark's making the point here. He just retired as a Philadelphia police officer. And, and this was the first fight camp he had where he was able to train full time, which is, which is great. You know, you hate to see, you hate to see, you know, guys having to work full time jobs while they're fighting in the UFC. Um, you know, that that's definitely an issue. Like this is something, you know, you're a professional athlete. You have to take it seriously. You got to be able to train full time. Plus he has a family and everything. He's got to be able to spend time with his family, but it, it, when I saw this fight announced, I, I just thought too much too soon for Chris Dawkins. I mean, I know he's got he's got an awesome looking record. Knocked out Alexi Olenek, knocks out uh, Shamil Abdurahimov. Um, you know, so he's he's looking good in there. But you know, Derek Lewis is kind of that next level, that next echelon. I feel like, <clears throat> and then you know, giving him a main event it was a little too soon. I understand, you know, the the division might be a little thinned out, but. Man, that that was a brutal knockout. <laughs> that was that was one of those ones where he he was knocked out before his head hit the cage and then eventually hit the ground. Um, anything else on this one, Jeff? 
Uh, no, I think we can move on to the co-main event here. Bruce says that Doc has got to run back to cops and ask for his job and pension back because he knows now that he isn't made for this shit. Well, <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> Interesting take. I believe he gets to keep his pension. He's just not going to be paying into it anymore. But whatever he's paid into so far, he's going to get. Um. Anyway, I, I, I wouldn't say he's not made for this. I think it was just, you know, he shouldn't have been in a main event after only 16 fights with a guy like Derek Lewis, who now has the most knockouts in UFC history. So wh what are you doing with Derek Lewis after this one, Jeff? I don't know, man. I mean, the title picture is a little bit tied up at the moment with uh, Nganu and Gan, and then I believe Lewis has lost to both of them, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. So you can't even give him the winner of that. Um, at least I don't think so. Um, I don't know, Bill. Yeah, like what do you what do you, that's the problem? Like, what do you do with him? Like it if I was Derek Lewis, I'd call out Stipe. Yeah. Actually. I was just like, thinking that too. That's a fight that makes sense, and it's not gonna happen from Stipe's end, because Stipe is gonna, you know, wait around for the title as long as he has to. But I feel like if he gets called out, like he'll accept the challenge. Um, but yeah, Lewis just lost to Gon. He's lost to Ng Nganu. Or no, wait, Derek Lewis beat Nganu, didn't he? Nah. I don't know. That fight was so bad. I, I've kind of like blocked it out of my memory. So, but there's a, a way we can find out, Jeff. It's called the internet. I think it's pretty new. Yeah, but not all of it's honest all the time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he beat Francis Ngannou July 7, 2018. Um, I wouldn't say he beat him. Like, he won the fight, but I don't, I think we've thrown more punches at each other than, uh, <laughs> than thrown in that fight. Dude, the um, one that, that one day that we worked on, uh, on pad work in, in your gym, we probably threw more strikes than, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's probably accurate. Um, terrible uh speaking of the gym jeff i had some hard sparring yesterday and i'm getting a little too old for this stuff like i was beat up this morning like i had a hard time getting going and and getting to another uh christmasy toddlery event oh no it was a birthday party we went to this morning it's never ending and then we did we did christmas with my in-laws today as well that was the other thing i forgot to mention because they're going to switzerland uh for the holidays to stay with my sister-in-law over there um anyway yeah what do we do with Derek lewis this is a this is a problem because then don't forget you have john jones who somehow got out of jail time and got a slap on the wrist for headbutting a cop car and and you know beating up his wife allegedly um like i i don't understand i saw dana white got pulled over the other night so on his instagram so I said, well, just headbutt the cop car and I'll let you off with a slap on the wrist. I thought, it was good. I thought it was good advice. Yeah, it's Worked for John move. Jones. But, you know, you got to consider John Jones is in the mix somewhere. Like they may, depending how things go between Gon and Nganu, they might just throw Jones in there for the title. Why not? The, you know, crazier things have happened. So if you're Derek Lewis, you're looking at, you know, 2023 for a title shot. 
So you gotta you gotta fight somebody. Like yeah. And I think the Stipe fight makes sense because they've never crossed paths. <clears throat> and then an impressive win from either one of them, you know, the UFC can fuck John Jones over and just, you know, stick them ahead of the line. So I think it's a good plan. Derek, if you're listening, call out Stipe. Bruce says Bill Welker for BJ Penn for Battle of the Alcoholics. <laughs> All right, BJ. I don't want to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do like a grappling match for charity. Um, but just so you know, Bruce, alcoholic is a term invented by boring people to describe fun people. And I'll stand by that. I want that on my tombstone. Write that down, Jeff. All right. The co-main event here. Bilal Muhammad against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. This was just a grappling clinic by Bala Muhammad, um, you know, and, and Steven Thompson has good defensive wrestling. Like obviously he works with Chris Weidman, his brother-in-law. Um, so he's got that guy taking him down in the gym all the time. And he was doing all the right things, but Muhammad was doing more right things uh, with his offensive wrestling. Just the way he was chaining things together and the way, you know, he was using, like the knee blocks, the knee taps, and everything like that. Um, it, it was just too much. And then once he got Wonderboy down, especially in that second round, he got him down like in the middle of the cage. There was just nothing to do. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude. I thought Bilal Muhammad was flawless, dude. Would not allow Stephen Thompson any space to get off his flashy kicks and you know, close the distance so fast. And Bill, I think that the smaller cage was to Bilal Muhammad's benefit a hundred percent, dude, because Thompson had nowhere to back up and and get out of the way of Bilal Muhammad, man. Mm -hmm. Great fight from Bilal Muhammad, good cardio. Um Dude, I think that it was not the right move to call out the champ. He did call out Tyron Woodley. Um, I, I would like. Um, you just said Tyron Woodley is the champ. I'm sorry, uh, Kamara Usman. Uh, I was still thinking about the beginning of the show, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, dude, I thought it was not the move to call out um, Kamara Usman just because I would like the Law Muhammad to get another one more win against a top five guy maybe uh a fight against colby covington or um uh what's his name uh burns would have been a good move mm -hmm. um i i think he should have called out colby covington because covington would make the fight into a, a must-see fight right because Bilal muhammad very polite very respectful and bill you always say this that doesn't put asses in seats yeah right Covington would have made it this whole big thing. So I think calling out Covington would have been good for the both of them. Yeah. I mean, Bilal Muhammad, you know, he's starting to get out there a little bit more. He just doesn't have that, that draw factor. Um, and especially the way that Leon Edwards fight went, you, you know, he, it was not looking good for him before he got poked in the eye. Um, so I think the Leon Edwards rematch makes sense. You know, try and block Edwards from getting that title shot. 
Uh, as far as Colby Covington, from what I understand, there's a, a match between him and Kamzat Chemaev in the works for, I believe, the pay-per-view in February. Um, so that that's what my sources have been telling me. If anybody has heard different, you know, let me know. But it seems like that fight's gonna gonna happen. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Bilal is gonna get the title shot unless Usman decides to grant it to him, um, which I don't think he's gonna be in a hurry to do. So there's that. Uh, let's me moving down the card. The only fight on the main card that I didn't catch: Amanda Lemos against Angela Hill. And Angela Hill just can't seem to catch a break with these uh, split decisions. Did you see this one, Jeff? And how did you score it? Bill, this was an absolute robbery for Angela Hill, dude. Listen, I gave Lemos the first round. Mm -hmm. But Angela Hill just came back in the second and third rounds, closed the space, was going for takedowns, landed a couple of takedowns. I felt like she was out striking Lemos. Um, this was an absolute robbery, dude. The... The, the judges got this totally wrong. Um, I, I didn't see why it was a split decision either. Um, I, I saw Lemos fade in the second and third round, dude. It looked like she emptied out her gas tank in that first round. Bill, mm. I was very upset at this fight, man. Um, I thought for sure Angela Hill won. Maybe I need to go back and watch it, Bill. Maybe you can convince me otherwise. But I am not happy with how this went down. Yeah, it sounds like you're very emotional about it. Emotional is right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't. I didn't catch this fight. Um, so apparently, one of the judges gave it thirty twenty seven for Lemos. Um, what? Yeah, that's that's what uh, my source in Australia is telling me right now. What? Um, Dude, this fight. So oh I. Gosh. I I got home last night, and when I turned the fights on, it was on the co-main event. So then this morning while I was having coffee, I started watching the main card and I watched up to this fight until I had to go uh, take my daughter somewhere. So last night I started right after this fight and this morning I watched right up until this fight. And then I saw that all the other fights were finishes on the prelims were most of them. Um, so then I started watching the prelims later in the day while I was playing catch up. Um, but yeah, that's a shame. I mean, <laughs> Angela Hill just can't catch a break if it goes to a decision. That's just, you know, kind of how it goes for him. Uh, Ricky Simone and Rafael Sunsau. This fight was... I never want to be the guy who says, like, a fighter's done or a fighter should retire where they have, like, no reason to be in there anymore. I, I just don't feel like it's my place to say those sorts of things. But what I saw last night was a young unranked Ricky Simone, who was a good two to three times faster than Rafael Sunsau. Like a Sunsau was, was fainting a lot and barely throwing. And when he was Ricky Simone just wasn't there. You know, a Sunsau was just throwing at the wind. Um, he, he had no answer for the wrestling of Ricky Simone. Uh, he was taking a bunch of shots and then, you know, eventually got KO'd in the second round. It was, it was tough to watch, you know, here's, you know, this young hungry lion, Ricky Simone, who's trying to make a name for himself in this completely stacked bantamweight division. And it, it, 
it was actually surprising to me that he's not ranked right now. Um, it shows you how stacked this division is because Ricky Simone has been, you know, beating ass and taking names in the UFC for a while now. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, Bill. Um, Rafael Asunza, I think he's up there in years, man. I think he's in his mid-30s. And I don't know what his record is previously, but I can't tell you a time that he won a fight before UFC 200, dude. Like, um... Well, he beat Rob Font at UFC 226. He is 39 years old, which is ancient for 135 pounds. Uh, This makes four losses in a row. Two KO losses in a row. Mm. Uh, and he was submitted by Marlon Marais in 2019. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Bill, I hate to say it, but it might be time to uh, look for new pastures for Asunsao, man. But, uh, Bill, and that knockout was nasty, dude. Um, you know, Ricky Simone hit him with this nasty, uh, this one nasty shot. And when as Asunsao was going down and he was against the cage, Ricky Simone went for like a low uppercut on the ground. It was so bad, dude. It reminded me of when um, when Jan Blahovich broke uh, Luke Rockhold's jaw. It was like one of mm-hmm. those, man. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was nasty, man. Yeah, and I noticed a lot of um a lot of the fighters on this card had like the cupping marks on their backs. So I guess like they're getting a lot of the, the cupping treatment at the uh, Performance Institute there. Um, you said they couldn't use their cups that way. <laughs> That's true. I mean, Dontel Mays had, was leaving cupping marks in a different way. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was. Um, you don't want to have those on your body anywhere, especially your facial area. Um, but, you know, it it could be a matter of, you know, Ricky Simone is just that good because, you know, he is. And he even said, you know, this is the most comfortable he's felt in the octagon, but it's a little easier to feel comfortable when you're the young hungry lion in there with an almost 40 year old, you know, kind of similar to the Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley situation. You know, Woodley is 40, um, you know, Jake Paul is 24, 25, whatever he is, you know, it's easy to feel comfortable when like you're in there with somebody who can't hit you. They can't find your chin. They can't stop your takedowns. Um, Yeah. It's going to make you feel pretty darn comfortable. Um, I wish Ricky Simone would have called out a name. He was like, yeah, Sean O'Malley, but I don't want to bully him into it, which I liked that he did that, you know, where he was like, I want to bully him into a fight. Cause then it's kind of like, you're kind of implying that O'Malley's ducking you. Um, but I wish he had called out somebody because he just beat the number 12 guy or something like call out somebody in the top 10, dude. Like, let's, you know, you want to, you want to advance yourself. Like you just had an impressive victory over a, a legendary champion, in my opinion. Um, you know, make the most of it. So there's that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Matus Gamrot with the te- technically it was a TKO over Diego Fedea. Um, this was a fun fight. This was very back and forth, uh, very competitive. Gamrot was controlling the fight mostly, but Fedea was good in the scrambles. Uh, and then in that second round, he took a knee to the body and basically couldn't continue. And he was, he was trying to let Jason Herzog know 
that that he couldn't go on. And while he was doing that, Gamrot couldn't see him talking to the ref, took his back, put the choke in. Um, but it was ruled a TKO uh, due to that uh, knee of the body. That I guess the commentators thought he had some kind of injury or something or his leg. Uh, I don't know. There was a lot going on there, but this was a big victory for uh, Matush Gamrot. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude. A little scary at the end of that fight, too, because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, at the end, Ferreira was just screaming in pain, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it looked, uh, I was looking at the replay, and it looked like he lightly tapped Gamrot, but it wasn't, like, frantically tapping, so Gamrot probably didn't even feel it. But uh, but I think the ref asked him if, if he was giving up, and Ferreira looked like he said yes. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was just, you know, it got lost in the sauce a little bit there. I don't mm-hmm. blame Gamrot at all. But uh, but I could see why they said submission to, to knee to the body. But, dude, the fight was fantastic up until that point. Like you said, the scrambles were crazy. You know, uh, it, Gamrot was in control of most of it. But Ferreira, man, was not making it easy for him. Really good fight. It's a shame the way that it ended, but I think it was going Gamrot's way. Yeah, yeah, it seemed to be. And, uh, you know, hopefully Ferreira wasn't too badly hurt. Hopefully it wasn't like a bad injury that he took there um, to the body. Uh, wasn't the only body shot that we saw on this card. But uh, before we get to that, Cub Swanson, big TKO over Darren Elkins. Uh, I didn't see this going this way. I kind of favored Cub Swanson in this way, but, you know, it's Darren Elkins. Like, you, you got to hit this guy with the kitchen sink and, and everything attached to it, all the copper piping and everything. Um but, you know, Cub caught him clean a couple of times and then, you know, hit that spinning wheel kick at the end. That was just kind of the icing on the cake. I feel like Darren was kind of already out at that point. Um, but do you think this is a, a revival for Cub Swanson or do you think this is a result of all the damage, so to speak, that Darren Elkins has taken over the years, catching up with him? Bill, I'll be honest with you. I think that Cub Swanson looked amazing in there. Like, he... He did. He looked really good, man. And Darren Elkins, like you said, he's no walk in the park, dude. Um, But, man, Cub Swanson, the way he was moving, he was in and out. Uh, His footwork looked really good. His head movement, you know. Darren Elkins didn't know what was coming. And um, the way that Swanson finished him, he switched his stance and threw this, like... It was almost like a shovel hook mm-hmm. uppercut. It was somewhere between a hook and an uppercut, the angle. Mm-hmm. But, man, um, yeah, Swanson just was throwing a whole bunch of stuff at, at Darren Elkins. And Elkins, it looked like he couldn't react fast enough to it. Um, but, yeah, it looked to me like I, I thought Elkins was going to to kind of turn it around in the second and third rounds like he always does. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a good stoppage from the ref. Um, but, dude, yeah, I thought Cub Swanson looked really good in there. Uh, mm-hmm. The spinning back kick was really nice, and then he just tore Elkins up against that cage until the ref pulled him off of him. Uh, but, Bill, I'll be honest with you, I actually thought that Cub Swanson was going to retire uh, when he brought his kids in and into the octagon and everything. Uh, but how, how old is Cub Swanson? He is 38. I was actually just looking that up right as you brought it up and yeah, not retiring actually talking about a move down to bantamweight, which 
Man. I don't know. He had a, he had a big rough patch. You know, after the after he beat Artem Lobov, he lost to Brian Ortega, then he lost to Frankie Edgar, then he lost to Hanato Moicano, then he lost to Shane Burgos. You know, then he had the Crone Gracie win, which I was there for. That was in Tampa at the Amelie Arena, actually. Um, then he beat Daniel Pineda, and then he just had that loss to Giga Chikadze, um, you know, with that, that Giga kick in the first round. That was back in May, and now he's looked good. I, if he's going to stick around, I think his best bet would actually be at featherweight because, you know, he said he's inspired by like Aldo moving down to 135, but dude, 135 is a fucking shark tank right now. Like, it, you're just coming off of knocking out Darren Elkins. Like, not a lot of people can have that on their resume. Um, I would say stay at 45, man. Yeah, and you, you know you're 38 years old. You're gonna cut an extra 10 pounds now. Like I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that decision. But you know he knows his body. He knows if he's capable. He knows how he stacks up with the competition there because he's been training a long time. He's been all over the place. You know he's trained with T.J. Dillashaw a bunch. So like he knows where he stands in that division, but. You know, you're going to get a little bit more lost in the mix, I think. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I agree with you. I think you should stay at 45, man. Um, could have called out a couple of guys. Um, and especially, uh, I don't see anybody really challenging Volkanovsky at the moment, at least not that I can think of off the top of my head, um, because, you know, he's, he's already beaten Max Holloway twice. So... Um, if I were Cub Swanson, I would have called out either Max Holloway or, um, what's that Brazilian dude's name? No, he fights at 155, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I think a call out of Holloway would have been good. Um, maybe, maybe Brian Ortega again, run that one back. But, uh, yeah, I think Swanson's best bet is to stay at 145. Yeah. It's tough, it, you know, especially because, like, let's say Aldo becomes the champ at 135 and, and Swanson moves down. He has an eight-second knockout loss to Jose Aldo in the WEC, if you remember. Um, it was it was a crazy knockout. Aldo came running across the cage, threw a double-flying knee. Cub Swanson was bleeding Ooh. around both eyes. Um okay. And I think Aldo like jumped over the cage and ran up into the crowd after that one as well, which he was known for doing in the WEC. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fan of Cub Swanson. Like he's he's like one of the last like kind of OG kind of guys left around. Um, and and I want to see him do well. I want to see him finish his career on a high note. I think the best way to do that would be at 45, but that's just my opinion. I'm just one guy with a lot of whiskey in me. Let's move on. Gerald Mearshart submits Dustin Stoltzfus uh, with a rear naked choke late in the third round. So three minutes into the third round. Um, this was a good fight. It was back and forth. Uh, I'm curious to see Stoltzfus's, uh, let's say Dustin, Dustin's record uh, going into this one. Um, but Mearshart pulling off another submission, man. 
Okay, so yeah, Stolfitz was submitted by Adolfo Vieira in his last fight. Um, but Mearshart, you know, this is becoming his MO, is pulling off these late fight submissions. What do you think of this one, Jeff? Bill, um, I mean, I it looked pretty back and forth to me in the beginning, and then Mearshart just able to turn around in in the in that third round. And Bill, it looked like it looked to me like Mearshart could have finished it on the feet if he wanted to. But man, that grappling in the third round, uh, Stolzfus was going for, it looked like maybe a leg lock, some type of heel hook, and Mearshart took his back, dude. Man, um, so, Bill, we saw some great grappling on this play last night. Gerald Mearshart, um, I was really impressed with that win, man, because Stolzfus was making it really tricky on the ground, and Mearshart said, no, no, kid, I got this one. It was really nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once he got on the back, it was... You know, his jiu-jitsu is just so clean, so technical. You know, he got on the back. He did all the right things, you know, pushed the hands down, you know, secured the legs. Um, it was textbook, rear naked choke. Beautiful. Um, but, yeah, you could tell, like, he put everything he had left into that choke. Um, and, uh, you know, Mearshart will always uh, – I'll always root for that guy. Uh, for reasons you may have heard on the show before and happen to know his brother. Um, but yeah, congrats to him. Another submission victory. He's got to be creeping up on, uh, on Oliveira's record for the most submissions in UFC history. Cause he's got a shit ton of them. Um, I was just about to shit all over Justin Taffa for missing weight at heavyweight. <laughs> By two pounds. <laughs> like, I don't know how much weight he had to cut. But he weighed in at 267, I believe. He only had to cut one more pound. And our buddy Mark, of course, is coming to his defense because this is his countryman here. He missed weight because he was out drinking with Tai Tuyavasa all week. He's only human. I don't know, man. <laughs> I've been on some benders. I I don't know if I don't know if I wouldn't be able to sweat out one more pound after one of them. Um, I mean, he looked good, but like the whole time during this fight, I was watching it, and I I think I knew the result before watching this fight, and I was already like, man, coming in here heavy. Harry Hunsucker was weighed in like 230 something so he's already got a weight advantage and then he like he's already got a 30 something pound weight advantage and then he misses weight i don't know i don't like to see it um in any case and it looks like he's carrying a lot of you know a lot of extra a lot of extra body fat that you know if he didn't have that, maybe he could have had the the week of binge drinking with Tuyavasa all week and and still been on weight and and been a little bit more professional. But uh, nonetheless, head kick knockout for Justin Taffa over Harry Hunsucker. Uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, Bill. Um, 
Justin Toffa made it a, a quick night. I feel bad for Harry Hunsucker, man. He, I think he's like oh, and I think he's like one in five in the UFC, man. And he's just had a tough couple of fights, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Against some really tough dudes, and Toffa, no exception, tough dude. Um, I I know that he didn't make weight and stuff, but dude, he went in there and just overpowered Hunsucker, man. Like that head kick. Hunsucker had his hands up to his face, and it still knocked him out. Like that was vicious power, man. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was pretty nasty, I gotta say. Um, but in any case, since Mark is changing the subject, which I like the distraction technique, said speaking of weight, has Eubanks ever made it? Which. I use this tactic with my daughter all the time. Like she's getting all upset. Like say like a crayon broke or something. Oh, my crayon broke. And I'll come over here like, hey, don't you like grilled cheese? Here's a grilled cheese. Um, And that's pretty much exactly what Mark did. Distracting from us talking about top and missing weight by bringing up Sajara Eubanks, who very often misses weight. I don't know. if Did she miss weight for this fight, Jeff? Do you know? I'm not 100% sure, but she did look a lot leaner in that fight. I remember thinking that. And, Bill, this is where I actually started, uh, where I jumped on to the card here, uh, was the Gatto versus Eubanks fight. But I, I remember one of the first things I was thinking was, wow, Eubanks is actually looking, like, really fit. Like, she didn't have a hard time making weight, you know, if she made weight. But here's the problem, Jeff. She makes the weight and then sucks herself out so much. After the first round, she was kind of done. Like, she looked pretty good in the first round. Probably won that first round. Second round, you know, got to, even though, you know, it's debatable because Gato was just throwing up a lot of uh, submission attempts on the bottom. Um, but that second round, Gato got on top and then pretty much drained Eubanks and then comes out in the third round, hits her with that beautiful front kick to the body. The announcers were saying to the liver, it wasn't really, it wasn't really clear. It looked like straight into the abdomen for me. Um, and, and it put her down. I, I credit to Sajara Eubanks, which I don't like to give to her, um, you know, because of all the time she's been on professional and missed weight. Um, but credit to her, even after taking that vicious body shot, she was still hanging on to the leg, you know, while Chris Tognoni was trying to rip them apart. Um, even though she was done and, you know, I know that feeling all too well, but when you take that, that hard body shot and your, and your body just shuts down. Um, so the fact that she was still fighting back was impressive. I'll say, you know, more impressive than any of her weight cuts, but, um, any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, dude. So, Bill, I actually had to, like, rewind this fight, like, two or three times. And um, it looked like she did, like, Gatto did hit the liver. because I And I had to, like, really slow it down and mm-hmm. really, like, pay attention to this. But Eubanks was throwing a, uh, I want to say a, uh, she was throwing a, Oh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so she's throwing a right hand, mm-hmm. and right as she twisted, that's when the teep came up. And mm-hmm. so her 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 hand was across her body. So there was like a 
where where the where the teep landed it was like in that liver area because eubanks was like twisted yeah yeah the, the timing was beautiful dude like i i I tried to rewind it a couple of times, and it, if you notice, it did ricochet, and she did kind of hit her in the crotch on the way, bring her foot back down. Also, yeah, yeah. So Eubanks like kind of caught a, she caught a toe in the camel toe, so to speak. Um, but regardless, it looks like Mark is letting us know she missed weight again, and he said she weighed almost as much as Tafa's leg. That's a good one. Um. But man, she missed weight again. I was like trying to guess, trying to give her credit because, like, you know, we've 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 done a fair amount of of shitting on Sajar Eubanks on the show, and you know, I was trying to. I always like to whenever I have something negative, I always try to restore some positivity where possible. But apparently, it's fucking not Jeff. So. She missed weight again. I'm, I'm very disappointed. Um, anything else on the Melissa Cat and uh, Eubanks here? Nope. Let's move it. Let's uh, let's move along here. All right. I so, didn't even know Raquel Pennington was on this card. Oh yeah, she looked good too, man. Uh, Charles Jordan, one of the only other decisions on this card over Andre Yule. Um, leg kicks was the story of this one. It just you know took Andre Yule's legs out from under him and. There was no answer. Got on top of him towards the end of the fight. Uh, good performance by Charles Jordan. Andre Yule, I remember when he came into the UFC, I was like, man, this dude is going to be a problem. And then it seemed like after he had his first loss, like he just wasn't the same. So here we are. Uh, Raquel Pennington and Macy Chiasson. So Macy Chiasson stepped up on a short notice for this one, I believe. Raquel Pennington was preparing for somebody. Maybe... Maybe somebody out there knows who she was preparing for. But um, so Macy Chiaz on credit to her steps up on short notice and Pennington looked good, man. She looked sharp. Um, I thought she looked good hitting the pads in the locker room. And, and I'm not one to put a lot of emphasis into pad work because. I mean, you know, as a Muay Thai coach, Jeff, like I, I can take somebody and make them look good for 15 seconds hitting pads you know like i'll find something that that you're good at throwing and you know we'll sharpen it up a little bit i can i can fake it so that you you're looking like a killer on the pads for you know however long the camera's on but there was something about the way she was throwing at the pads that made me think like man raquel pennington's looking fucking sharp right now and she got in the ring, and it was the same thing. Or she got in the cage, rather. Same thing. She was looking sharp. And then um, had finished it with a 10-finger guillotine choke. Um, and just just looked good, man. I mean, she's she's always had that good, like, front headlock control. And, you know, she finished the fight with it. So credit to Macy for stepping up on short notice, but... Yeah, Raquel Pennington was looking really sharp in there tonight. Bet she's looked in a long time. Um, any, I know you didn't see the fight, Jeff, but any reaction to that? Yeah, dude, I love it, man. Bill, you know I'm a fan of Rocky. Uh, I really like Raquel Pennington. Um, 
you know, she, she's been a little bit less active lately, but, um, you know, she's, she's a parent now. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that she looked really good in there. I'm going to have to go back and watch this one. I didn't even know Pennington was on the card. I would have tuned in earlier. Well, now, you know, you gotta, you should go back and watch that one. It was a good fight. Um, Dante Mays and Jot Parisian. We already talked about that one, um, extensively beginning of the show. Go back and rewind and, and listen to that part again. Uh, Jordan Levitt looked good against Matt Sales. Um, he was tested in this fight, man. I'd say probably for the first time since coming into the UFC. Um, he had that slam KO over Matt Wyman, I believe. Um, you know, it was back and forth. He had to fight for some things. He wound up on the bottom a bunch, but um, got up on top. It was a very peculiar submission that he ended up finishing with, Jeff. It was an inverted triangle. And it was from like a weird angle and to the point where Matt sales was kind of had to tap like underneath. He had to tap like Jordan's like grundle area. It was very awkward because Chris Tanyoni couldn't see the tap. Mm. So Jordan was nice enough to let go of the choke. And, you know, he was awarded the victory, which, you know, we've seen before where guys have tapped and the ref didn't see it. So somebody lets go. And then, um, you know, the fight has had to continue yeah, because uh, the ref didn't see the tap and the guy denies tapping. So I believe it was Matt Linland that happened to where he tapped to, I forget who he's fighting, but um, he denied it. And the ref was like, oh, well, keep fighting then. <laughs> and then it, it had a, and I think he got submitted eventually anyway, but that was that good card. I mean, it was, I think it, it was in third place for most finishes on a UFC card ever. Um, so that's, that's something that's, that's a great way to end the year. And, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a fun card. I, I wish I could have watched it a little more cohesively, but you know, I had a lot of holiday activities going on, Jeff. Yeah, Bill. Awesome card. Awesome way to end the the UFC calendar year, man. Um, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Bill, I cannot wait for what the UFC has planned for 2022, man, because this year was, uh, I felt like every card coming out of the pandemic just got better and better, man. The UFC has not disappointed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mark actually... Attended the card with more finishes than this one, but yeah, still great way to finish out the year. This this has been a great year um, for MMA. Like it's just like you said. I feel like every week we're coming in here, and even the cards that were like you know sleeper cards, we're we're coming in and saying, you know, this card was so awesome. Um. And and this was one of them too. This was not like, you know, nothing crazy, nothing, you know, really jumping off the page on this card. But uh, man, it delivered. There's just been something about this year that has produced some really great fights. Um, so yeah, it's been awesome uh, breaking them all down with you, Jeff, or breaking most of them down with you. Anyway, when our uh, our schedules can align. Um, 
if anybody has suggestions for like unique categories, like we'll we'll probably come up with some stuff. But you know, we'll do the the generic fight of the year, fighter of the year, rookie of the year. Um, I'll give you my my best whiskeys that I've found of the year or that I've talked about on the show. Some something along those lines. You know, something that you guys should be hunting for out there um, if you're a big whiskey drinker. And um, I'll get into this real quick, Jeff. So the you'll be happy to hear this, actually. So Whiskey Advocate is kind of like, you know, this is the go-to for whiskey drinkers every year. Like this list comes out. It's the top 20 whiskeys that have been released in that year. So, you know, there'll be an 11-year whiskey on here, but it came out this past year so it gets considered for rating this year and i i talk about this every year on the show pretty much um and I, I usually try i end up trying most of these the thing you'll find is that once a whiskey makes it on this list jeff the price will skyrocket you know because it gets a lot of attention especially because the list comes out you know right before the holidays so people are doing their christmas shopping and their google search results come up you know, what's the best whiskey this year? And whiskey advocate will always be at the top of your search results. So, you know, a lot of brands strive to be on this list because then they can jack the prices on their whiskey. So, for example, last year, uh, the number one whiskey was Larceny Barrel Proof. I didn't happen to be a fan of it, but the number two whiskey on the list last year was Knob Creek 12 year. I was a huge fan of it. And I, I so much so that I didn't even talk about it on the show very much because I I didn't want people finding out about it and going out and buying it all. And the price went up regardless, whatever. So the new list has come out, Jeff. In early December, they start releasing like number 10. And then every day they release all the way up to number one. And then I think they release, you know, 11 through 20. And if you're a whiskey brand, you want to end up on this list because, you know, it's making money it's like getting a conor mcgregor fight or a jake paul fight whatever getting on this list um this year though i'm i feel like this is the first time the list is a little suspect jeff and and you'll be glad to know the number one spot went to your favorite distillery lagavulin so lagavulin Releases an 11-year-old whiskey this year. It's uh, it's aged in Guinness barrels. And it, it's made for Nick Offerman, who many of you know is Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation. And on the show, he drinks Lagavulin, which is known, they're known for their 16-year scotch. Yep. Which is excellent. One of the best scotches ever made Lagavulin 16 you know this Jeff I know it's been a while since you've had some at my sister's after my sister's wedding the after party we were drinking some Lagavulin 16 it's a high quality scotch it's a great product I love the Lagavulin nine year I tried the Lagavulin 11 it was good would I say it was the best whiskey I tried in 2021 not even close not even close. I mean, it, it, 
and especially because now on the shelf, and this is before it appeared on the list, Jeff, it, it was more expensive than the 16 year. Mm. So obviously it takes 16 years to make the 16 year loggable and takes 11 years to make the 11 year. I'm condescending to you guys right now, but you know, I'm just kind of trying to line this up for you. Like how I came to this conclusion. Why does something that took 11 years to make cost more than something that took 16 years to make? And, you know, just marketing is the answer. Like they had Nick Offerman put his name on it and, you know, they partnered with Guinness. It's a good, it's a good whiskey. I would not go out of my way for it. And no, I, maybe I would put it in the top 20 of the, the new whiskeys I've tried this year, but not number one. Um, number two, Maker's Mark Private Select popped up on there. I've heard a lot of good things. I have not tried it but hmm. in 2021 i have become a huge fan of maker's mark yeah mm-hmm. i don't know man i feel like they're a little gimmicky with the with the top and, and everything it's just, yeah i don't know i always thought that too jeff and then i tried their cask strength which i think i have a bottle of it back here in the bar actually and it is excellent weeded bourbon which uh, you guys know i'm a big fan of of high wheat bill bourbons like you know all the buffalo trace the the colonel taylor the eagle rare um all that stuff is a high wheat mash bill um maker's mark has made a comeback and and they're putting out stuff for the whiskey community not just like you know the regular maker's mark i could take or leave it it's you know it's good in a cocktail i wouldn't go out of my way for it but um the cash strength um is, is fantastic I will, I will absolutely keep it in my bar. I, w- I plan on trying this uh, number two uh, private reserve. Then uh, number three is Black Pits. I don't know anything about it. Uh, number four was Jack Daniels. They released a 10-year bourbon. And Jack Daniels has made a, a big resurgence as well, Jeff, because, you know, you think Jack Daniels, that's the cheap stuff. That's the stuff you mix with Coke. But um, the... And I mean Coke the beverage, not not the drug. You know, we don't promote that kind of thing here. Um, but Jack Daniels, the single barrels that they put out, the single barrel rye, the single barrel um, whiskey, those are fantastic. Like, those are going to be staples in my bar forever. Um, so I imagine that this tenure is going to be really good. And then uh, George Dickel, eight-year bourbon, made the list. I'm a big fan of them. Peerless is on here at number eight. I'm a big fan of Peerless. Um, they release a double Oak and I really want to try this one. But, um, when I first saw it on the shelf this year, it started on the shelf at 80 bucks. So that's like a little more than I'm willing to pay to try something for the first time. Um, compass box is on here at number nine. Compass Box makes uh, blended scotches. They they typically appear on this list every year. Uh, number ten is a Wild Turkey. I think it's a Private Reserve or something. Wild Turkey Masters Keep. Um, and and this bottle goes for like one hundred seventy five bucks. So I, I don't plan on trying that one anytime soon unless Wild Turkey wants to send me some samples. I will be more than happy 
to give you a live review. Then number 11, this is one I agree with, Jeff. This is Port Charlotte. Um, you would enjoy this one. It's also an Isla Scotch. So Isla is an island in Scotland known for peated smoky Scotch, which is where Lagavulin is made. Um, I think you would really enjoy uh, the Port Charlotte heavily peated. Um, very smoky, very delicious. My brother-in-law has a bottle of it in his house. I plan to drink some when I go up there for Christmas. Um, and then we got, you know, a few other, a few other brands that are well known. Uh, Bib and Tucker here at at fourteen. There's a Japanese whiskey here at fifteen. Old Fitzgerald uh, with a new release at sixteen, and then uh, Glendronic at eighteen. Um, my list would look completely different, Jeff, because I haven't tried a lot of these. So, um, there's that. So whiskey advocate, um, I'll have my picks, uh, next week's show for, um, you know, the best whiskeys I've tried this year and, um, you know, we'll see how it compares to the whiskey advocate. Maybe I can get you to try some of them, Jeff. We'll see. See how it goes. See if we can break your break your fast, <laughs> your whiskey fast. Um, but yeah, so that's that. Um, not the last show of the year, but the last show before Christmas. Jeff, you have uh, you know anything you want to get off your chest here? Yeah, I just want to thank everybody for for still listening, man. I mean, Bill, you know we're still having fun with this, and I'm glad that. You know, we can bring not just, you know, commentary on MMA, but commentary about life in general and, and you talking about parenthood and me talking about, you know, coaching and teaching and, you know, it, it never gets old, you know. Um, and Bill, speaking of, of coaching, this past Wednesday, we had our award ceremony. For fall sports so it was a lot of fun it was nice to see everybody after like a month that that the season's been over and it was nice to give out some certificates and a couple of plaques so bill all all in a day's work um but yeah I'm, I'm having i'm still having a blast with not just work but the show bill and i think there's been very few times in life where you know we get to enjoy what we're doing so i'm grateful for that and i'm grateful for everybody who's still listening to my monotone voice out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been at this. Gosh, it's been six years. Yeah. Six and a half. Yep. Cause it was, it was June or July. It's been a while, Jeff. We've been doing this and um, yeah, it, it is still fun. That's why, you know, we're still here every week. It's not, it's not for the millions of dollars we're making because that doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, occasionally somebody buys a T-shirt or throws me some whiskey samples, um, but that's enough to keep me going. Um, uh, as far as Mark is concerned, Jeff, you're the coach of the year, 2021. So, Oh, thanks. There's that award. <laughs> <laughs> can you fill those water bottles with h2 with h2o yep that that's that's the dream mark uh we we have been having a good time and um 
you know, as much as I kind of complain about all the holiday stuff, it's like, it's, it's really awesome to see my daughter at an age where she kind of knows what's going on with Christmas and Santa Claus. And she's been the one thing that's been consistent, Jeff, is that she's been asking for an Anna and Elsa bicycle. Cause she doesn't have like a real bicycle yet. She has like a little kitty tricycle and, um, but she hasn't had like a real bicycle yet. She's going to be four next month. So she's kind of at that age, but for months she's been saying Anna and Elsa bicycle. I have a pretty good feeling, Jeff, that Santa's going to deliver on the Anna and Elsa bicycle. And um, I'm really looking forward to that moment when she sees it. And, um, you know, the, these kind of like months of anticipation are going to pay off for her. And like, she's actually like wanting something for a long time and waiting for it. And then, you know, actually gets it, you know, if, you know, assuming Santa, you know, makes it here to Florida, I have a feeling he'll be stopping by. We have, you know, the fewest uh, mask restrictions and so on uh, here. So I think he'll, I think he'll find his way to the Tampa Bay area and, uh, my daughter will will find her uh, her Anna and Elsa bike on Christmas nice. morning. Nice, Bill. When that happens, you gotta record it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm gonna gotta um gotta record all all the moments and and it's it's been fun. You know, as much as I complain about whatever everyday life, because that's what we do as adults. We complain. It's just it's in our DNA. It's in our nature. Um, I don't know if you guys have any last minute shopping to do and it won't arrive in time for Christmas, but if you want an MMA on the rocks, t-shirt, hoodie, or tank top, <laughs> you can find it. Oh, you can find those through our friends, the team Reaper Reaper one.co is the website. You can use the promo code MMA rocks 10, save yourself 10%, you know, order a late gift for somebody. Give it to them on New Year's. Say like, hey, I forgot about you on Christmas, but here's this. And they'll remember that forever. Nobody remembers what they get on Christmas, but they'll remember that one gift they got, you know, on January 6th or whatever, when the shipment came in for Team Reaper. Yeah, and Bill, you know, start the year off right by by getting an MMA on the Rocks shirt or hoodie for somebody. And listen, it doesn't have to be on the first day, all right? 2022 is going to be a long year. So yeah, it's a long year. There's there's a lot of days to be over the top and under the influence. So, you know, you got to start with the shirt, and then you know the rest comes naturally. So there's all that. As always, I'll put the links uh, in the show notes. Uh, we appreciate everybody supporting the show. I hope everybody has a very merry Christmas, a happy Kwanzaa. I hope you had a happy Hanukkah, whatever you're celebrating, whatever reason you have to celebrate. Cheers to all of you out there. We are so grateful that people actually listen to this show. <laughs> and uh, it's still fun. So until next time, and I won't say until next year, because we will do another show before the year ends. I hope, hopefully in person. When I'm in New York with Jeff. For Jeff the Animal Wilson and myself, Merry Christmas, everybody. Until next time.
Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.